Thank you, Brother Chris. And yes, I need thee every hour. I was thinking I need to change it every minute, you know, because I'm not good with the hour. I need minutes. <laughs> I need minutes. Please find your way in God's precious word to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. <clears throat> Jared has done an excellent job opening and teaching on this letter. We appreciate your hard work and expounding the word for us. We were all blessed by that. <clears throat> now, Mark is the shortest of the four Gospels. It has less unique material than any other gospel. About 92% of it is paralleled in, in Matthew. But a couple things to point out here. In this gospel, we will see, there's a couple things I found interesting, is that Mark gives a brief summary of the resurrection appearances of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just, just real brief. You would think that that might be important if you're giving an account of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You might think he would talk about it more, but Mark doesn't. And we'll see why in the future here. You might think that the virgin birth would be something that you would pin for all to know. No account of that in this book. See, Mark is a matter-of-fact guy, or to-the-point type of man. I like this guy. I like it. But for that reason, though, throughout most of Christian history, Mark has been one of the least popular of the Gospels. But let us not forget... This is the Word of God, and it carries as much weight as the other three Gospels. It is God's Word, and it is just as important as Matthew, Luke, and John. Mark, men spoke as they were carried by the Holy Spirit. Mark penned this letter as he was carried by the Holy Spirit. This is the Word of God, so we should cherish it. Now, this letter did not begin with the birth of Christ. It begins with the ministry of the Son of God. And that's the beautiful thing about this letter. It emphasizes that Jesus is the Christ. It emphasizes that Jesus is the Son of God. This letter gives us an up-close and personal look at Jesus, our Savior and Lord. When we study this letter, we will be assured that Jesus, the Son of God, lived, served, suffered, and died for all who would believe. And we'll be assured that Jesus has risen from the grave and that our triumphant Savior is alive, sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Something that I want us all to watch as we study this letter, and that is, uh, you know, there's three main groups of people in this letter. Uh, Mark talks about how they react and, uh, and what they do uh, to Jesus and what they do with Jesus. And we'll see at the end that the disciples, the crowds, and the religious leaders, that's the three groups, None of them understood Jesus. They, they never completely understood Jesus. When, when the time came for Jesus to go to the cross, the religious leaders arrested him. When it was time for Jesus to go to the cross, the disciples abandoned him. When it was time to go to the cross, the crowds jeered him. The only ones who really knew who Jesus is was the demons. We'll look at that today. So let's dig in and see the depths of this letter and how great our God is. We'll pick up in verse 21. And they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in the, their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, 
What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out loud, with, crying with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Now, last week, Jared taught on the four fishermen, and we saw how Jesus said, come and follow me. Uh, Jesus was beginning his discipleship ministry. He, he was going along proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. <laughs> Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent, Jesus said. Turn from what you have been trusting in and believe in and trust in me. As we will see as we study this book, the Jewish people were trusting in their ancestry. They would proclaim, hey, we're good because we're Abraham's children. They were trusting in their land. They would say, look, God gave us this land. This is our land. They put their trust in the law and their self-righteousness. And Jesus came proclaiming, repent, turn from all that stuff. There's no good news there. The good news is the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's the good news. Turn and believe in the gospel. Believe in the good news that I proclaim to you. That's the message that Jesus preached. And as he was going along proclaiming the truth, he comes up to Simon, Andrew, James, and John, and he tells them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. I'm not sure what kind of picture you have in your mind about this scene, you know. A lot of people, when they read the Bible, they don't, they don't put themselves there. They, I, I, I mean, they see it like it's a fairy tale. They, they see it as a faraway story or, or something they can't connect with, but we can, you know. The, the, you know th this is just an ordinary day in the lives of these Jewish fishermen. Jesus is an ordinary-looking Jewish man walking down the beach. Jesus didn't have this big cloud of glory following him around so that everyone would know that he is the Son of God. There, there wasn't this big awe about him. You know, the, the earth was not shaking as he walked on it. There wasn't an announcement to the fishermen you know, saying, hey, hey, that, that, that day was going to be the day that the Son of God would be choosing his disciples, so be looking out for him. That didn't happen either. I want you to think about this. Jesus is walking down the beach, proclaiming the kingdom of God is upon you, and he tells four men to walk away from their job, to walk away from their life, to walk away from everything they have known, and follow me. And they did it. They put down their nets, they walked away from the family business, and follow Jesus. Why would anyone do that? What was there about Jesus that grown, intelligent businessmen would just leave everything and follow him? Well, one thing, God had already been working in their hearts. 
We can read in John chapter 135 and following that Andrew and Peter had been out there with John the Baptist. You could flip there, but I'll read. John 135 says, the next day again, John was standing with the two of his disciples. That's John the Baptist was standing with him. And he looked as Jesus walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. They went after him. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, what are you, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So as we can see, these men had already been seeking the truth. They, they were already looking for the one that the Old Testament had told would come. They, they were out, they were listening to John the Baptist, they, 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 the one who was preparing the way for the Lord. They had gone out to the wilderness seeking truth in their hearts. They wanted to know the truth. And when the truth walked by, John said, Behold the Lamb of God. And Andrew went after him. Why? Because he was desiring the truth. And so Jesus taught the truth unto them that, uh, to them on that day point to make here if you're seeking truth if you're really in your heart if you really want the truth about God and salvation then you go after the light that God has given you and when you do he will reveal more light to you Jesus doesn't play hide and seek with his people he doesn't do that he wants them to know him and be like him amen these disciples followed the light that God had given them, and it led them right to Jesus. The truth will always lead you to Jesus, always. It always will. So they stayed with Jesus for a day. They go back to work, and I'm sure the words that they heard from the word himself was going through their minds over and over and over again. And when Jesus came to them and said, follow me, they did just that. So the four disciples obeyed Jesus. They walked away from their family business and home. Does that not sound familiar? Have we heard that before? God telling someone to leave everything they have known and go do the work that he has prepared for them. Do you remember what God said to Abraham? Leave your country and your father's house and go to the land that I will show you. Abraham, in faith, did what God told him to do. And God started the nation of Israel through him. Same thing here. God is picking out his remnant that he has. God is going to show to the world the new covenant that is in his name. And in faith, his disciples go with him. For the ones who were seeking truth and knew the scriptures, it was easy for them to follow after Jesus. When he came onto the scene, they followed him because he is exactly who and what the scripture said he would be. Some got it, but many didn't. So the four disciples obeyed Jesus. They walked away from their family business and home. 
They accompanied him into a nearby town, Capernaum. It's a, it's a village on the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And at Capernaum, Jesus enters the synagogue and had begun to teach on the Sabbath. Now, a synagogue is basically a meeting place. It's, it's a place where the law was read on the Sabbath and explained. During the week, it would be used as a school. Sometimes it was used as a civil court. But, but to, a note to make here is that it's not a place of sacrifice. That only happened at the temple. Synag synagogues were not little temples. You know, the, the, the synagogues were everywhere. Uh, in some, some of the larger towns, they could be five or ten synagogues. They would have, have as many that were needed. And in these meeting places, they would have an elder or one who, was, who would organize everything, and he would be the one that would read the law on the Sabbath and explain it, unless they had a visiting rabbi or scribe who would re then read and teach the word. And so going to the synagogue was something that Jesus would do on the Sabbath. Luke 14 says, as was his custom. That's what he did. And our text says here in verse 21, and they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And the people quickly realized that this was no ordinary teacher. Verse 22, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Notice, Mark did not tell us what he was teaching because that's not the point here. The point is Jesus taught with authority. He taught as if he was God. There was an undeniable power connected with his words. He spoke with authority. The truth just flowed out of his mouth. It came from his heart. He spoke as one who knew what he was talking about. There was no wandering. There was no hesitation. There was no confusion. Jesus taught with the authority of God. He taught with the direct authority from God. And if there ever was a man who spoke God's truth with authority, it would be Jesus Christ. Amen? And the people who heard him speak were amazed. They were astounded, overwhelmed. One lexicon gives the definition of this word as struck out of their senses, or we would say it blew their minds. And that is the way we should be every time we open the word of God. It should blow our minds. We should be amazed. It should take us in. It, it should captivate us. We, we should want more like the disciples did. We should be like the disciples and hunger to know the truth. We should follow the light that is in this word. This collection of books is more than just a coffee table decoration. It's more than just a dust collector. This is God's love letter to his children. It gives us meaning to life. It answers the question that everyone will ask, why are we here? It gives, us it gives purpose to our lives. It gives us hope. It gives us direction. It introduces us to our creator, and it gives us a living hope. The Bible is more than just a collection of historical documents. It's much, much more than that. You know, the words that we read in our Bible today is just as authoritative as the words that Jesus spoke in that synagogue 2,000 years ago. And every time we read it, it should strike us out of our senses. It should blow our minds. 
So Jesus is teaching with authority. And the text says, not as the scribes. Now, a scribe is one whose business was to study the law, transcribe it, and write commentaries on it. They were schooled in the written law and its oral interpretation. They were, they were widely respected by the community because of their knowledge and dedication and their outward, let me say that word again, outward appearance of law keeping. The, the problem with the scribes is, is, is they went beyond interpretation of scripture and they added many man-made traditions to what God had said. And they became professionals at spelling out the letter of the law while ignoring the spirit behind it. Things became so bad that the regulations and traditions that the scribe added to the law were considered more important than the law itself. Nothing new under the sun, is there? It happens today. And, you know, and this led to many confrontations between Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes because Jesus knew the truth of the scriptures. But, you know, it just creates problems when man puts himself above God. And we should never do it. Never, ever do that. Now, the difference between the teaching of the scribes and Jesus is this. Jesus taught with authority from God. The scribes taught with authority from man. Their, their knowledge was derived from man's wisdom and traditions. So, so when they taught, they would teach by quoting the sayings of other professors. That puffed them up by knowing what the other rabbis said. They liked to show off their knowledge of what other scribes or rabbis said and taught. So when they spoke, it was not like they had any authority when it, when it came to the scriptures. They would just quote the law and then quote what someone else said about it or someone else's interpretation. So the truth is they didn't have any authority at all, especially when they'd taken it down the road where they put man's word above the authority of God's. <clears throat> They had no authority, not like Jesus. His words were challenging and convicting and was delivered with authority. Again, I want to point out, Mark did not give us what Jesus taught because the person of Jesus is more important than the subject of his teaching. If we want to know what the gospel or teaching of Jesus consists of, Mark, what does he do? He directs us to its embodiment in Jesus the teacher. That's where the truth is. That's where the gospel lies, he says. Go find Jesus, and you'll find the truth. You'll find peace, and you will find the gospel message. So as we can see, Jesus' public ministry establishes his authority over the highest authorities on earth. The highest authorities here were represented by the scribes and teachers. And Jesus comes in, blows it away. Jesus came in and taught the word like Israel was supposed to have done. They were to teach and live the word of God so that the world would know that, God, that the God of Israel is the one true living God. They didn't do it. But Jesus came and did it. Jesus has authority over the scriptures. And he continues. He goes on to show he has authority over the supernatural and the supernatural authorities are represented by the unclean spirit here in verse 23. Look at verse 23. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. 
But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him, and they were all amazed. <clears throat> so Jesus is teaching. And Mark says, Immediately an unclean spirit cried out. Again, we do not know what Jesus had said to provoke this attack. And there's speculation all over the place of what Jesus said, and it's all speculation. The good news is your pastor knows exactly what Jesus said that day. I know what he said. I'm going to share it with you. Listen. Jesus spoke truth. Whatever he said is the truth. And any unclean spirit did not, does not like the truth. And when he heard the truth, Jesus himself speak the truth. He could not keep quiet. Why? Because he knew who Jesus is. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? First of all, that's a dig, Jesus of Nazareth. Do you remember what Nathaniel said when he heard Jesus was from Nazareth? What good can come out of there? Like a dig. I'm like, man, that's brave. <laughs> You're co confronting the Son of God and you want to try to insult him? Wow. He goes on. He says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Make note, the demons become the second party in Mark's presentation of Jesus following the voice from heaven at the baptism to announce Jesus' divine sonship. I know who you are, he says. You are the Holy One of God. Now think about this for a moment. Let's go there. The Son of God is teaching with authority. Everyone is in awe. The scriptures tell us that. They're in awe of his words. They are focused on the teacher. Their, their eyes are not leaving him. They want to take in every word that he has. And I, I guarantee it's just deathly silence. And all they can hear is the voice of Jesus. And all of a sudden, the guy in the back cries out. He shouts out. You know, it wasn't someone raising their hand, you know, and Jesus going, yes, you in the back. Oh, yes, thank you, Jesus. I, I, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. It didn't happen like that. This guy shouted at Jesus. This unclean, unclean spirit screamed at Jesus. And I bet everyone in that synagogue jumped out of their seat. They're focused on Christ. They hear this guy screaming from the back. They're going to turn around and look and see what's going on. He cried out, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. He cried this out. He, he, he cried aloud. He shouted it, it says. The demon addressed Jesus with two titles. Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of God. And in the same breath, the unclean spirit proclaims the power that Jesus has. Have you come to destroy us? He knows, he knows it's coming. He doesn't know the time, but he knows it's coming. With two questions in one sentence, he just told everyone within earshot the true identity of Jesus Christ. Something that the disciples were slow to comprehend and something that many, many would never, ever recognize. And how did Jesus respond? But Jesus rebuked him, 
He rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out. What just happened here? Jesus is confronted by an unclean spirit. He proclaims who Christ is. And yet Jesus did not, did not acknowledge that what was said was true. You know, he didn't say to the people, "Go up, you heard it yourself right there. From the one who knows that the eternal lake of fire is prepared for him. He just proclaimed the truth. You heard it right there. He didn't confirm what was said. Instead, Jesus rebuked him. He reprimanded him and said, be silent. Be silent. And he didn't let him speak again. Now, there are some who say that Jesus silenced him because he didn't want any praise or recognition from the evil realm, which may be true. You know, we, we know that the leaders later accused Jesus of doing miracles by the power of Satan, so I'm sure, you know, Jesus didn't want to give him give them any fuel to, to boost their lies. But I couldn't help to think about Acts 16, 16, if you remember, listen to this. As we were going along to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, listen to what she said, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out of her, and it came out that very moment. She was proclaiming truth, just like the spirit in our text today. And yet Paul, nor Jesus, wanted to hear it from an unclean spirit. I just laugh. You know, again, we look at the disciples or Paul and everybody is these faraway. They're just ordinary people that God has called like you and me. There's Paul, annoyed, like, well, somebody just cut, cut it. I heard enough. I mean, she's, she's proclaiming the truth, but it's like, enough's enough. Stop it. I just laugh at Paul, man. He, he's out there. You know who he is, right? Listen, just like Jesus, Paul did not want, nor did he need, the assistance of Satan and his army to tell people who he is. And neither one allowed it. Silence. Silence. Back to the synagogue. What's going on here? Well, Jesus just proved, he gave evidence, he demonstrated that his power, that he has power over the supernatural. That's what's going on here. In a synagogue, Jesus teaches the word of God with authority and then lets everyone know that he has the authority over the supernatural also. Absolutely incredible, absolutely amazing, absolutely mind-blowing. I'm not sure what the people expected to happen on that Sabbath in the synagogue that day, but whatever they were expecting, it was not this. It was not what happened. Here they are listening to the most incredible teaching of God's word, and in a split second they witnessed the Son of God demonstrate his power over the spiritual world. And their reaction, verse 27, and they were all amazed. Again, they were all amazed, so, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits to obey him. They were in shock 
They were all amazed. It, again, it struck, they were struck out of their senses. And, and then they start to question themselves, first in their mind. First they're going, now, did, did, did I just hear what I hear, heard? Did, did I actually see what I just saw? And then they start turning to each other. You can see the, the busyness in the crowd. You, did you just see? Did you just hear? Did, you heard the same thing? That's what they start doing. They start asking each other. They start questioning among themselves. What is this? What is this? A new teaching with authority? Yes, it is. Unclean spirits obey him? Yes, they do. And when they leave the, that, that synagogue, they, they cannot be silenced about what they heard. Verse 28, and at once his, his fame spread everywhere throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. They left and told everyone. And they were like, if you don't believe me, go ask Benjamin. He was there. And if you don't believe him, go ask Daniel. Go ask David. We all saw what happened on that day. We all heard what Jesus said. And at once his fame spread. You know, th this is a big deal. Just the teaching with authority alone is a big deal. And can I say nothing new under the sun? I believe that people are starving for the truth just like the people were back then. They were hungry for the truth. I pray the church gets back to teaching scripture. I pray the church gets back to glorifying Jesus by proclaiming his authoritative word. I really pray that the church does that. And that's us. That's us out there. You know, I talk to people all the time about the scriptures, and I cannot count the times that I have heard people say to me, well, I've never heard that. Well, I've never heard that. Well, they should. They should have heard it. We are the church. We need to take the word out to the people. They are starving for the truth. And if you add on top of the teaching with authority that Jesus has authority over unclean spirits, that he has the authority over the supernatural, then I'm sure the name of Jesus was the buzz all around town that day. The people in the synagogue were amazed and afraid, but they realized that something new had happened on the scene, a new doctrine and a new power. Listen. His authority over evil spirits was evidence that God's rule had come in Jesus Christ. There's no denying that. So Jesus showed he had authority in the scriptures by teaching the word. He showed he had authority over the supernatural by commanding the demon to be silent and cast him out. And now he shows he has authority over creation or the natural world. Look at verse 29. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her, and she began to serve them. Serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So let's take a look at Simon's uh, mother-in-law. You know, Jesus is told she has a fever. He goes in and takes her by the hand, and the fever left her immediately. 
and she was able to go into the kitchen and serve the Sabbath meal. If you've ever had a bad fever, you know, if you ever had a really bad fever, then you know how painful and uncomfortable it is. And you also know that after the fever leaves, it takes time for you to regain your strength, but not in this case. She was able to serve the Lord immediately. She did a complete, Jesus did a complete and verifiable healing. And he doesn't stop with her. He did many more verifiable healings on that night. Word had spread quickly that the demon-possessed man in the synagogue had been freed from the demon. And the people brought to Jesus all who were sick and all those who were demon-oppressed. Uh, uh, demon <clears throat> possessed, I mean. Many of the ill people were, were literally carried to Peter's home so that Jesus could heal them. No doubt when they were healed that Jesus did a miracle. The, the verb here in the imperfect tense signifies continuous action, meaning a steady stream of sick people were carried to Jesus. A steady stream. Mark says the whole city was gathered at his door. And Jesus did these healings out of compassion, yes, but he did them also to prove who he is. Mark 1.1. 1, 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's the point. It is only the Son of God who has the authority over the Word of God. It is only the Son of God who has the authority over the supernatural. And it is only the Son of God who has authority over creation. Mark wants everyone to know that, that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. So what does that mean to us? Well, if you do not know that you know that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, then I say to you, do as the four fishermen did and go after the light that God has given you. Talk to someone today. Don't leave here confused. Don't walk away from the light that God has given you. Let someone help you follow the light that will lead you to the light of the world. And for the ones who have put their trust in Jesus, then our faith should be strengthened today. We have seen the evidence that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. We have seen the evidence that he is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. Jesus Christ is the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God, and he has revealed himself to us through the scriptures. All of us are to get into the word and stay in the word because the word we have in our Bibles the words we have in our Bibles are just as powerful and authoritative as they were when Jesus taught it that day in the synagogue. Amen.